Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a cloudy day here in the capital city as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. I am Scott Challoner and I'm delighted to be joined on today's programme by Tim Fianet. Tim is the owner of Central Staff's CrossFit, a centre based in the heart of Stafford which promotes exercise, fitness and a healthy lifestyle alongside a supportive community. Tim, very warm welcome to you and thank you ever so much for joining us this afternoon. Hello Scott, uh, yeah thank you ever so much for having me on first of all, uh, it's great to be a part of a, a bigger part of the growth going through um, the current situation we're in. Yes um, and leadership is really the point of uh, this uh, whole discussion and establishing your take on it and I think it's fair to say that leadership is something that's really being put to the test at the moment Tim with the COVID-19 pandemic no less as you say and and the need for business leaders to really feel their way through this unprecedented crisis of course we will touch on that later on in the discussion but first and foremost if we just take that word leader and look at that in isolation just for a moment what does that word actually mean to you and how does it resonate? Yeah, um, I thoroughly agree, uh, Scott. I think it's um, a very touching uh, subject at, at the moment with this current situation that we're in. Um, leadership is, is a huge part of, of any team. Um, it's, it's hugely necessary to, to be effective. Um, for me, I think uh, it's never more prevalent than, than right now um, in a need to make sure that it's able to keep people together uh, and, and to be able to hold a strong, positive view. Um, a few things that I think would really bring forward for me about leadership would be um, being respectful of others, um, not just your own views, uh, being sure to allow other people's opinions to come forward um, when obviously trying to work towards growth or change with the situation we're in. No one's ever been through it before. So it, it's really key and valuable for a, a leader to allow other people's opinions to come forward so you can address them and they, they will encourage your help. Uh, sorry, they will encourage you to to change your views and might help you make better decisions. So the communication aspect of that is key as well. So discuss, talk and have open chats with, with your team. Um, I think another huge element would be potentially to be very influential for your team um, and your peers, not just in the sense of always showing them uh, what's necessarily needed or what you need to do, but um, if they see you developing yourself and, and continuous development, like, CPD, um, and not just thinking that because you're the leader or, or um, the boss as such, um, I never really enjoyed that word, but um, if you're at the, the, the lead part of your company, you don't know it all, so it's key to make sure that you're developing your own skills and attributes as well, and if they can see that you're developing yourself, they might be able to say, right, I need to keep pushing, I'm not there yet, I need to take the next step. Mm. Um, maybe another last point would be to um, make the team improve, well, for myself with my members at the gym, um, I try to make my team look at the members where they struggle because they're in isolation, etc. They might struggle with a little bit of self-accountability or self-motivation. So I try to get them to try and help with those, those points and those elements. 
I think there are some really important things to uh, to take away from that, uh, for sure. Um, one of those is the fact that it's very much about um, the collective, as you say there, and empowering your team members to essentially take on their own form of leadership and have their voices heard. Because it is just about, it's as much about those around you as it is about you as a leader, isn't it? And um, a great chap called Nelson Mandela actually once said to surround yourself with people who are better than you are. And that's a great bit of advice from a business perspective, isn't it? For yeah. sure. I really agree. I think that's, um, there's, there's many people in the world we can learn from with statements and um, that they'll all agree that you never really achieve things through just personal um, effort uh, within some some circumstance. I think if you want to uh, address the bigger picture and affect more people, then you need more people around you that who are equally as passionate or uh, as driven as yourself. Um, and it's all about um, accepting other people's views and opinions to uh, add to the pie as such. And I'm aware, of course, um, as well, uh, Tim, that you uh, did have a career with the uh, the Royal Engineers prior to, of course, setting up um, your own uh, company and going into business. Were there any elements of leadership that you say you'd learned from that experience that can easily sort of be transferred over to the uh, the business world? Or has it been a little bit more of a complicated transition than that? Um, yes, um, I did have uh, uh, just uh, nine years in the Royal Engineers um, with the Counter IED Task Force and um, Bomb Disposal. Um, a couple of difficult tours of uh, Afghanistan um, and a career there has, has obviously hugely helped me develop myself as a as a, um, as a leader or even just as a, an individual. Um, there's uh, many core values across several different platforms across the military and and um, different core values, but a few that definitely reigned true with me was was that selfless commitment to others, um, which is a huge part. Um, including the respect for the others as well. So you were never on your own. You're always part of the bigger group or team. Um, the loyalty. Um, and then obviously the, the obvious ones, I, I, I suppose most people remember, is the integrity, discipline, and courage. Um, I think they're all important parts of an individual as much as they are important parts of the team. But yeah, the military career has hugely helped me develop myself um, to be sure that I don't neglect my team and, and I use them where where I can and they also help help me develop as an individual and a leader as well. And you talked an awful lot about the need to um keep the communication channels open as a leader and that's incredibly relevant in the here and now where there isn't really a common workspace anymore and we're all having to work remotely and keep contact and also enforce leadership from a distance. Um since the COVID-19 pandemic has, of course, emerged, Tim, how have you actually found it sort of adapting to the challenges that it's posed? Because I can imagine it's been quite tremendous um, for a, a business of your kind, for sure. Yeah, it's, um, the word's been brandished around with the unprecedented times, but it, it, I don't think there's another word that probably covers it as, as well. Um, no one's ever been through this situation before as much as, as I'm aware um, or the ones that the people I'm in touch with with businesses. But um, it's it, it's usually put um, a large amount of external stress, I call it, um, on uh, my livelihood, my lifestyle, my, my company, and also my employees. Um, and, and at this time, it's, it's key to make sure that although uh, the world is being quite difficult in its, its position and what it's going through, and we're all having to, to muster together to make sure that we, we come out of it as best as possible, um, it's about managing um and overcoming the situation as best as you can to look after as many as you can 
Um, and the situation that's put it through our company is, is very difficult. Um, we have a fantastic and amazing community, which, for which I'm extremely grateful for. Um, and we've tried to provide um, as much a virtual platform for them and this home training as, as much as we can for them. Um, and it's, it's only so far that we can go before we're just waiting to hopefully reopen our doors with some further guidance um, and restrictions and, and get, get things moving again. And obviously, extend expanding the offering to the online uh, tutoring and teaching is uh, really obviously um, down to innovation, isn't it? And um, adapting to uh, changing circumstances, which I think is absolutely fantastic from the one hand. But I think you're yeah, right, of course. Coming is really important to the situation. Otherwise, mm. we wouldn't learn from it. We'd need to learn from every situation we go through. Definitely, I think without suffering setbacks and learning from them we can't really hope to develop into good leaders can we i think it's actually an integral experience um in one's Agreed. development yeah. isn't it yeah i fully agree with that we 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 well the unfortunate part of our lives is our body will always adapt better under some difficulty whether it be through time constraints or or, or other 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 stresses um we have always dealt better um as a as humanity I suppose under difficulty um, not to say that everyone never wants to be there and definitely doesn't enjoy being part of it but um, there's, a, there's an integral part of what's happened during this COVID-19 situation that um, the innovative part of it everyone's been amazing to provide as much as they can for as little as they can for as many as they can and that's, that's huge I think that's exactly right. I think there's so many fantastic stories out there of people who've really pushed the boundaries and gone above and beyond during this time just to keep things ticking over, be that um, in their job roles, be that in the local community. And I can imagine you've been just as inspired by what you've seen from those closest to you as well during this time. Yeah, um, the part of obviously family, a lot of people, I think they forget how important their family is and their friends are. Um, And when you have a situation like this it i think it's um maybe provided a lot of people who have maybe necessarily neglected getting in contact with personal friends or, or family that they've needed to extend their branches a little bit further to check in on people who um maybe i'm not sure about how their health is especially with the mental health situation it's um it's very very difficult people don't know how they are especially when they're in lockdown they can't always keep that contact so FaceTime, uh, Zoom calls, whatever Microsoft Teams uh, platform people are using, it's so important to do reach out to check in with people right now. It is. It's incredibly important to do that. And there is a renewed focus on mental health, well-being and also sustainability as well that's come about as a result of this. And that is extremely um, encouraging uh, going forward into uh, the future for sure. And I think what you mentioned just now about, of course, the reactions of people such as family, friends, that sort of thing, it brings us back to essentially what you said about leaders before, isn't it? They need to have influence. And some of the most influential people out there can actually be those that are closest to you. It doesn't take people who are in the public eye, such as big names, politicians, visionaries it can just be somebody as simple as a parent or a colleague or a mentor they can be some of the most real impacting leaders who are really out there in the world can't they yeah i thoroughly agree uh, a lot a lot of the world um currently i suppose maybe relies more on the the media basis of influence or um it's probably more in the face than it was um probably before my time and um but it definitely is more apparent now than it was when I was probably a little bit younger. Um, and 
like you say, you don't necessarily need just an influencer to think I need to make a change. It's the situation you're in now currently. And, and I don't know, the, the inspiration could come from just your neighbor who's very, I don't know, physically active into something or if they're very focused on a, a skill or an attribute or something they're really focused on. And you can really feed off that and you can potentially use that for your, for your direction. Like you say, it's not just the influence in, or a media or, or, a, um, or a, they call front of house um, celebrity. Like you say, it could be just somebody that you have to, you've not had contact with for a while. You took space with them and they give you that little inspirational push. And if we do think about now what the future might hold uh, before we do wrap things up on the uh, the programme today, Tim, do give me an idea of what you actually think the next year will hold for yourself and for Central Staff's CrossFit and what you hope to achieve as we move through this pandemic and hopefully emerge from it in that time and really begin to look to the long-term future. Yeah, I think that's a very open question. Um, obviously, first of all, when we're unsure. We're still waiting. There's, there's many things that, that could be a a variable um, in the future. Um, so as we await more guidance uh, from, the, from the government, um, for our plans, we're, we're looking to make sure and, and ensure that we have as, as much safety as possible in place um, with our facility and establishment for our members. And that's the main part is keeping them mentally uh, fit and healthy and, and providing what we can for them. Um, a lot of people come to our gym just for that, that mental health release and that social aspect. So if we can provide on a restricted level, we need to. Um, so while we wait out for the further information and hopefully the clarification of, of the reopening and being able to reopen in some sense, our future growth is mainly to hopefully come, come out of this situation as a stronger, uh, more bold community in a sense that people are more aware of others, um, that they're not always individual and they're not all fighting their own battles. They're open to discussion um, to other people if they need to lean on someone and they're able to do so um, and that, that everybody is aware that they're not fighting on their own. Uh, we're very hopeful that the gym and the, and the facility that we provide and the training we provide and conditioning will, will grow and um, hopefully we can look to take on further employees to grow the company and, and take on more members and, and build, a, build a bigger community and establishment. We're really hopeful for that over the next 12 months. I think that's an incredible message, uh, Tim, for everybody tuning in to uh, really heed that. Whether you are a leader or an employee or otherwise, do remember that you certainly are not alone. And let's hope, Tim, of course, that um, the business can take them and indeed the wider industry can really take these adjustments in its stride as we do start to adapt to what this new normal might be and hopefully we also see some transparency and clarity from the government side of things in the way of leadership to understand exactly how this new normal is going to be expected to be implemented as well yes definitely uh tim i've got to say it's been a real pleasure uh, having you on the uh, the program with us uh, this afternoon and i'm really really grateful for your time on that and you know given how informative this experience has been uh, for myself today i think it would actually be fantastic to perhaps have you back on at some point in the next year just to discuss where we're at at that point and also see how central staff's crossfit is getting on with adapting to uh, what's uh, the case um, at that point in time yeah definitely scott thanks very much for having me on i'll um, i'll be happy to jump back on in the future if you need me to be and i uh, really appreciate the the, uh, the the link up today it's been it's been great to be a part of something it's been a real pleasure for myself as well tim and do take care and do stay safe in the meantime because we're certainly not out of the woods with this yet either yes thank you scott thanks for your time
That was Tim Fionnette, owner of Central Staff's CrossFit. Coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with England's 1966 Football World Cup hero, Sir Jeff Hurst. During his professional career, Sir Jeff scored over 200 league goals for the likes of West Ham United and Stoke City. But most notably, he remains the only man to this day to have scored a hat-trick in the final of a World Cup competition. And that came after his treble in England's 4-2 victory over West Germany at the old Wembley Stadium, 54 long years ago now. I hope you enjoy listening just as much as Jonathan enjoyed speaking with Sir Jeff, and that is coming up next. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it, and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be <laughs> playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where... Um, so Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd work with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach, as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your, your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did. Again, mm-hmm. again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain. Um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the 
recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top. is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved with my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge when it came to managing that England team what was his style like Jeff well one thing the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person um, mm. naturally it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you it can have a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life but yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years he it was quite clear who was the boss he was quite very very strict probably at a time maybe overly strict but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now but he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn suit, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learnt over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly... Um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think 
wanted to be part of a group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But uh, in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games, before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, in Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games. And I probably didn't quite replicate my, my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back into it because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Green's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there, and people, players talk about, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important, to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Alf showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about twenty minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal 
And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke and make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you in two. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Lines, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can think, tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a. a at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honour. Mm-hmm. On this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. But then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it's... It, uh, um, and again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of the fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. No, um, well, it, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches. People must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with? Um, those qualities that you could identify in a 
in a natural leader? Um, well, a play, current player, as you mean. Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding, I think the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is, is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah. The answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we we're successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the, um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and- when it, when you put those those questions. 
and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. The word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly. Uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single dedication, dedication to the job, um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership all the time it's a huge part of your life but if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation, and I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I've been your host, Scott Challoner. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, or other guests of any other person therein associated.